everyone, and welcome down to episode number 10 of the Down South Photo Show. We have hit double digits, uh, hit double digits in quick time as well, I might add. This, is, uh, this has been fun. We are at episode number 10. It's fantastic. My name's Brendan Waits. My good mate, Cam Blake, has joined us as always down in sunny Hobart Town. Good evening, Cameron. Good evening, Brendan. How are you going? It's not, uh, not so sunny today. It's a bit windy and uh, a bit cold. And yes, 10 weeks, 10 episodes. We are, Who'd have thought? We are just blazing away here. We are. It's been great. Um, thoroughly enjoyed myself so far since we came up with this wacky idea to make a podcast dedicated to landscape photography. It's yeah. been it's been fun so far. Yeah, I'm loving it. It's good, and I it sounds really corny, but I actually look forward to this every week, having a chat with you and just putting some some ideas out in people's heads and getting a conversation starting amongst people. I actually um I look forward to it each week. So yeah, I'm enjoying yeah, no, it. Thanks, thanks to everyone. Not corny at all, mate. It's great. It's been no. uh, it's been a good. Um, well, it's been a bit of a distraction with all the COVID malarkey going on all around the country. COVID? What's, um, what's this COVID you speak of? Yeah, exactly. And it's uh, and it's been a good uh, something different for me to get my teeth into. So I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, mm. Just quickly speaking of the COVID dramas going around the country, once again, um, we say hello and best wishes to everyone who are in lockdown at the moment. Mm. I think we're, we've got about 13 million Australians under lockdown at the moment, uh, yeah. including uh sydney obviously all the dramas that are going on in sydney still and yeah. unfortunately our brothers and sisters in melbourne have just yeah. copped another seven days extension to their lockdown so mm. sorry to hear that guys that's why i've decided to leave my melbourne background on this week um yeah. we're with you yeah and so like i said 13 million that's a lot of people um if we could get like 10 percent of them listening to our show in lockdown I reckon we could hang the boots up and wouldn't have to work anymore. It'd be pretty good. But <laughs> <laughs> it's not all about us. It's about uh, everyone else. But yeah, it's, 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 it must be really shattering for some people because it's just a Groundhog Day. So, you know, keep your mental health well and keep yourself occupied and get some fresh air and get some sunshine, play some games, do something that you might not normally do. Yep. Um, enjoy yourself as much as you can. And hopefully the, the pain and suffering is over really quick and you can come back and visit Brendan down in regional Victoria or you can pop on a plane and come over to my boring little place over here in Tasmania. Yeah, yeah, it's so boring, mate. I don't know how you put up with it. Yeah, it's tough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you to everyone for subscribing. We passed a tiny little milestone Mm. during the week of 150 subscribers, um, which is awesome. Like We're we're wrapped that um, that 150 of you have chosen to subscribe. Uh, If you haven't hit the subscribe button down below, it's completely free to subscribe. We're not going to charge you anything. Um, It just means when you become a subscriber and hit the little bell that you'll be notified when our um, videos go up onto the YouTube channel. And of course, if you're listening to this on a podcast, you can subscribe by your favorite podcast supplier as well. I was actually reading quickly some of the comments on our podcast. There's people putting reviews in there. And there was a couple of funny reviews in there and some really, really good ones. So um, I like the reviews. The reviews um, not only just help our show get noticed and get up the charts a bit more, so to speak, but it also gives us some good feedback and, you know, there's things we can improve on or, you know, you want us to talk more about this and less about that or whatever it might be. So keep them coming. And thank you to the 150 subscribers. Um, You know, keep it growing. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I enjoy reading the comments as well because you're right. It does give us a bit of direction and we like to talk about what you guys want us to talk about. So by all means, keep the comments coming. Um, we're going to crack on with tonight's subject. We thought we would open the can of worms that is drone photography tonight. Mm. Um, 
it's uh, it's an interesting topic and mainly because I love it. I absolutely love my drone and love drone photography. Mm. Um, I think, I don't know, because we haven't really prepped each other on this, but I think Cam might have a few uh, differing opinions on that. Would I be right? Yeah, yeah look, um, I, in our little show notes, I, show notes, I said the drones, they're the good, the bad and the ugly, because I think they have... Um, really good things about them and they also have really bad things and ugly things. So I'm a bit of a fence sitter. I'm a, I'm a sort of 50, 50 um, lover or hater of them. So, but I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that as we, as we get into this topic, that's for sure. Well, um, we'll kick the conversation off with uh, just a wee bit of history about, well, my involvement with drone photography, but drone photography in general. Um, it's really been the last, gee, I want to say five years where it's pardon the pun really taken off um, mm -hmm. drone, drone photography um, due to the just wild advancements in the technology. Um, I know um, the, most people who either own a drone or have looked at buying a drone have come across the DJI brand, um, absolutely dominating the drone market worldwide. Um, there's a lot of companies out there trying to, or have tried and failed or are still trying to push into the drone market. But DJI just generally are two, three moves ahead and come out with just yeah. mind-blowing technology on their drones they do um yeah and and the uh we'll talk a bit about the the first drone that i owned which was i started with the dji phantom 4 yeah um yeah. and the reason i hung on hung held out until the fourth iteration of the of that drone particular drone was because that was the first drone that came out with a 20 megapixel um i yeah. think it's a half inch sensor yeah, I think uh, I think it was a similar sensor to the Olympus sensor that's in the um, Micro Four Thirds. I think similar yeah, size. So, yeah, I th I yeah, I think um, I think prior to the Mavic Four, it was the Micro Four Thirds setup, yeah. and then after that, they went to the half inch sensor, which, as I say, was a twenty megapixel. But it was also the first sort of uh, I say like cheaper drone. There was still three and a half thousand dollars but mm, yeah. uh it was the first sort of cheaper drone that uh allowed me to shoot raw as well on a yeah. 20 megapixel thing so for me it was all about the optic the, the camera and the yeah. optics and and what that delivered uh and then being able to take that camera and pretty much put it wherever i wanted to put it um in within a landscape so for landscape photographers well for me it was my right up my alley i really really like the whole idea of being able to take a camera and put it pretty much anywhere yeah um yeah. and and i think for me it was you know not not so a lot of people would would get a drone and the first thing they do is shoot it to its highest sort of legal yeah. limit and we'll talk about legalities and stuff a little later but <laughs> its highest legal limit which is a 400 foot 400 yeah. foot height and start taking photos which is great but for me i thought it was unreal to be able to stick a drone you know a meter above a wave for example yeah, yeah. offshore i mean yeah. how cool is that you know yeah, so yeah I, I i i'm the same like my uh my first drone i, I went a little bit stupid I, I i generally go a bit excessive with some things i went to the other end and unlike you cam unlike me i, know, I actually was lucky enough to um I, I got paid a job i did a book and i got paid got commissioned to do this book and i used the proceeds out of this book to buy a drone i thought i, I was really interested in drone photography and i hadn't really got into it instead of buying one of those little dick smith ones that you're going to smash into the walls and you know go back and buy another one i went and bought like one of the top end dji inspire drones and the reason what drove me to that uh drone exactly the same reason you said as well mate is that it was all about the camera and that one had the gimbal and it could take the micro four thirds 
lenses. So I could put majority of my Olympus smaller lenses on the bottom of that drone. So, um, and I remember the first time I got out of the box, it was at mum and dad's house because I bought it in Melbourne and I launched it in the front yard and I was, pack, <laughs> I was packing my pants. Even it only went a meter up in the air and I was just expecting it to take off left, right and center and yeah. you know, take someone's head off. But um, yeah, so, but yeah, same thing, you know, first, first thing I did was sort of, take it out of the box go up a bit and have a see see what the limits were and things like that but uh I, I i backed off that i had it for a few years and i backed off and got smaller and smaller and smaller yeah. and now i believe we're, we're both using the same drone at the moment we are but um i'll we'll come to that in a mm. second because um same similar experience for me when i got my first drone very very excited the the, the phantom 4 pro um <laughs> launched it in the backyard yeah um without a lot of thought just got yeah. it out of the box and went okay this all works and of course got it in the air got it about a meter off the ground and then my dog tried to jump up and grab it yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't even think about something like that happening. Nah, nah. so i very quickly got that up and out of, yeah. out of his way yeah. um but yeah that sense of um it's almost a little bit of panic that comes over you when you when you get your drone in the air for the first time and, yeah um one thing that i loved about well from pretty much the phantom four onwards was just how easy they are to fly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, people people who crash a drone are people who have done something wrong. Um, <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny, it's it's as funny as you mention. It's funny you mentioned crashing. My my brother, my older brother Chris. Hey, if you're listening, there he is. Um, Chris. <laughs> um, he he rang me the other day and said, "I'm looking to buy a drone. What what should I get?" I'm like, "DJI, just go whatever." He's like, "I'm looking at this Google. There's a Google one, I think it was." And I'm okay. looking at this one. I'm like, "Oh, look." He goes, "I don't have the money to spend. It's just a bit of a muck around thing. I want to try it out and have a bit of fun." I'm like, "Yeah, cool, whatever." Anyway, he rang me the other day. He got the drone. He goes, "Oh, I got it out of its case and I launched it in my driveway because everyone just launches at their house." That's right. And and I said, "Did you crash it yet?" And he goes, "Yep, straight into straight into the top of the, the tree next to the garage." <laughs> And, I, and he goes, it blew, uh, broke a couple of propeller blades, which there were spare ones in the box. And straight away, I'm like, does it have like accident prevention? He's like, nah, it doesn't have that one. And I'm like, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. yep, that's the thing. You can, and I think this will lead us down into this topic as we get into it. Um, it is extremely easy for anyone with zero experience to pull a drone out of a box, launch it in your front or backyard or in your house, as people sometimes do as well. Um, <laughs> And get it in the sky. Like it is, it is idiot proof to get it up there. And um, and I think that's one of the that's one of the to me, it's one of the ugly sides of how easy they are to fly, which encourages people who probably shouldn't be flying drones. It gives them a bit of a, a Dutch courage to sort of get out there and fly it when they shouldn't be. But again, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get into that as we go along. Yeah, um, I happen to for the for those of you watching the video, I you, happen to have... you just pulled a drone out of Fed Square. <laughs> I, I did. I just reached into Fed Square in the background. Yeah. So this is um, really poor because it's going to fade in the background. But this is my DJI mm. Mavic 2. So I'll just pop that front off there. So there's its awesome Hasselblad camera. Um, Hasselblad? I've got well, the Hasselblad camera. That's too. right. It's, hey, hey, it says Hasselblad yeah. like right on the, on the front there. Yeah, so, it right? so it is, isn't it? It must yeah, be. It must be. Yeah, yeah of course. So um, <laughs> this, this little puppy. We're, we're um, not sponsored by Hasselblad either, honestly, you know? Nor DJI for that matter. Um, but uh, yeah, this has been awesome, this thing. And, and the thing I love about it is the fact that it will fold up into yeah. bugger all, like yeah. I'm very, very poorly demonstrating here. Yeah. Here we go. So it, it folds up into nothing. You don't have to take the props off or anything like that. Yeah. I'm just holding it in front of myself so it doesn't blend into the background. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, that's it. And that 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 thing there, which you can see, is not much bigger than my hand. So it's probably um, they're probably the same size as about like a seven fifty mil one litre bottle of water. Yeah, um, yeah, they're, they're right. really quite small for people yeah. who aren't visual. Yeah, who can't see what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I absolutely, uh, I absolutely love the fact that I can chuck that in, you know, a fairly small backpack, take it anywhere. And um, the other great thing about the, the the current lineup, particularly the Mavic, is just how quickly I can get that thing in the air. Yes. So yeah. it's really about oh, 45 seconds, I suppose, from from power up to launch is about 45 seconds. So yeah. um, no, and I really, really enjoy having that. And, and it's got the... Um, the most stable gimbal on the front of this thing as well. So yeah. I've actually had this on relatively calm days. I've actually been able to pull uh, like two second exposures out of this thing yeah. Um, yeah. while it's up in the sky, which is, which is pretty nuts. Yeah. Um, but also because it's got that fantastic um, 20 megapixel sensor in it as well, I can do big enlargements out of this guy as well. So, um, well, that yeah, was something I was, that was something I was going to touch on with you because you're the, the printer out of this uh, podcast is that that's the one thing why, Again, the good, the bad, and the ugly of drones. The this this sort of goes into the almost the bad category for me is that you are quite limited to how big you can blow up these images out of drones. Now, um, I've seen some pretty big images of Tom Putt, uh, who's a professional photographer in Mornington. He has a gallery, and he's got some very big framed shots from drones and he swears by me and he has a similar drone to us he swears by him that says he can go quite big with them but whenever i've tried to do a big print out of it, i'm just never 100 satisfied with the quality of the print that comes out of these drones they're good for us up to a certain size and that's that'll be a question you can maybe answer you know what what do you think the maximum size of a print you can do out of a drone is because i find anything sort of over i don't know 16 to sort of 16 inch or bigger Yep. To me, they start to fall away a bit. But what do you think? Well, uh, like every print that I ever make, uh, I always talk about correct viewing distance. And we've had this conversation yeah. on the podcast yeah. before. Um, now, I've done uh, prints out of that very drone there and my Phantom 4 uh, two metres wide by a metre high. So wow. okay. absolutely massive. However, I will put a caveat on that and say that I did use... Um, uh, obviously uh, Photoshop to to do the enlargement and then using software like Gigapixel as well okay. to enhance that so as you've, well. you've upscaled them. Yeah, yeah. I've had, yeah. I, 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 not every time. It also depends on the image. If there's a lot of detail in the image, for example, yeah. I've got a photo, which I will put up on the screen now, of um, the Barwon Heads bridges that I took um, quite some time ago with the Phantom 4. Mm. Um, it is now jostling for position as my best-selling local image. Right. Um, it was just a random May sunrise. I went out with the drone and, and mm. it was a beautiful sunrise, got this shot. Uh, but there's a fair bit of detail in it. There's cars on the bridge. Um, yeah. You can see a bit of detail there. So I did need to do a bit of enhancement on that. However, most of the time when I make that image large, it's printed on canvas. Yeah. And canvas is that textured surface, which can be quite forgiving. Now, if I was yeah. printing mm. on uh, even, even just a smooth pearl, uh, Ilford smooth pearl, for example, yeah, you're you're exactly right. Probably a twenty by thirty inch enlargement before I had yeah. to do any work on it to yeah. make it make it look a little sharper. But then again, put it behind glass, correct viewing distance, you can get away with quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, you're right. Like there, there's definitely tools in the trade now that you can actually upscale things. It's just for me, I've always I've always found that I get to a point where like, yeah, it's a great shot or it's a really interesting shot, but any any bigger than a certain size and I personally sort of lose, I not lose interest, but I sort of 
I lose a bit of appreciation for it because the sensors are so still so relatively small in them. But they, I must admit, the Mavic 2 Pro that I've got is, is a big improvement. Um, and um, like you said, it's one of those ones you can just chuck up anywhere you want. You know, you're yep. driving along, you're like, oh, okay, that's a shot. I can get that up there and, and get it in the sky. And I think one, one thing that you touched on before about just people sending drones straight up as high as they can, I, I love, I'm a bit like you, I, I would rather take a drone shot from two, three metres above my head, not, yep. not, not 30 or 40 metres or even more, because any higher than that, you sort of get that bird's eye view. But in between, it's just that, that angle that you can't get any other way. You can't get it on a ladder. You can't get it, you know, on a building, you know, it's sort of that mid-range. And I find that those ones anywhere from sort of 50 to 100 metres or something like that, um, you know, or lower, you get some really cool angles. So that's what I like yeah. them for. Yeah, um, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And, and um, you know, the Point Lonsdale jetty uh, out here, having the drone literally just 10 metres off the end of the jetty, mm. you know, but only so 10 metres off the end of the jetty and maybe 10 metres high. Yeah, you know, that is a unique angle. Yeah. That, that, you know, five years ago, you would need ridiculous permits. You'd have to get a helicopter. You'd have to mm -hmm. get air, airspace clearance, the whole bit. Yeah. Whereas now it's completely revolutionized. And I think for me, it, it, they came along at a good time for me because I've been, been doing it for quite a while. And of course, you know, something new and a new tool. I'm very cautious not to call it a toy. It's a tool, right? Yeah, um, a tool of the trade, <laughs> and and it sort of you know it it, it it inspires. It gives you a new new lease on life. It's like ah, oh, that photo that you always wanted to take. Well, now you can. Yeah. So that's 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 what I really enjoy with when I get my drone out. Uh, unfortunately, uh, as with everything of late, I haven't been able to do enough of it. So I'm, I'm, no. I'm keen to keen to get back out there with that thing. Well, that that's a great little segue into the next part of my little our little discussion about drones and mm -hmm. um, getting out there and using them. Um, and where you can use them and how you can't use them and how people use them today. So this yep. is where, um, it, to me, sometimes falls into the ugly category. So, so far I've said there's a few bad things. There is some really good things, such as getting access to locations that you can't get to, um, getting angles that you can't possibly get, getting those bird's eye shots straight down that you can't get unless you're in a plane or a chopper. Um, so there, don't, don't get me wrong, there is a hell of a lot of benefits to drones. And I, I love the technology and I love the use of them. But... What gets me is is the ugly side of things. And I think down here in Tasmania, we see it really, really frequently because Tasmania is about 70% national parks and reserves. And as per national park rules, you can't fly your drone in any national parks or reserves managed by parks and wildlife here in Tasmania. And that rule just seems to be written in some special invisible lemon juice that no one sees um, <laughs> because everyone flies them everywhere in national parks. So that to me is the ugly side of things is that there is a lot of, and it's again, it's the, it's like the virus that's going on with the lockdowns at the moment. There's a small minority doing the wrong thing, making the majority look bad. And um, I went from flying my drone quite a lot all around Tasmania um, to barely flying it at all anymore. And I will not fly it around where there's people. I won't fly it in national parks. So like, it's really quite limited where you can f legally fly drones down here. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that's the ugly thing for me is that there's some people, uh, you know, I, I'll do workshops at Dove Lake, you know, we'll have this beautiful morning or beautiful sunset. Everyone's just quiet, taking it in as we've spoken about before, just that, taking that moment in and then you'll just see this bzzz, and it'd be some, it won't be, it won't be 200 meters above your head. It'll be a meter above your head. Someone drag racing a, a drone around the national park and it just ruins it for everyone else. And, yep. um, and then uh, they stay, they make the rules harder and harder and harder because of these people. So 
yeah no you're exactly right and and it's it's a like um like most things in life the the the, the few people that decide to choose to ignore the rules ruin yeah. it for everyone else yeah so it's it's, and, it's a real I, bummer and i don't have license plates the drones no that's right um, um so which, it, is, it is hard to to regulate them and um i know like I, I went and did recently um i've got i've got my repl license so the recreational pilots license i did a three-day course and and you know spent a lot of time and money getting that done um, i'm registered with casa uh, as you're required to do as well um, and i also have a commercial license to do video and filming in all national parks in tasmania having said that i still need to apply for a permit which they give out rarely uh, to use my drone in a national park. So each, each time that you want to do it, you mean? Yeah, each time. If yeah. I want to do a flight in a national park, um, last time I checked, it was about $300 per permit per flight. Yep. Yeah, right. So, so it, it becomes a really expensive exercise um, where, you know, some people just come in under the, the cover of, you know, tourist and just chuck their drone up and stuff like that. So there is a lot of regulations and rules around it. And that, that's pretty yep. much Australia or Australia wide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, on the CASA website, Civil, Avi Civil Aviation Safety Authority in Australia. Um, hello CASA. to anyone listening. Hello to anyone listening internationally. You're going to have yeah. your own rules and regulations where you are. CASA.gov.au, um, and we're not sponsored by CASA. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the basic regulations that you need to know are if you're um, if you're taking photos that you intend to sell, then you have to be registered. Um, mm -hmm. You have to have uh, an aviation reference number, an ARN, which I have. Mm -hmm. um, there are different rules and regulations depending on the weight of your drone. So, for example, if your drone is under 250 grams, um, you don't have to you don't have to register it at all mm -hmm. uh, unless you intend on taking photos to sell. Then you still have to get the ARN. And those those drones will be those little novelty drones from. Dick Smiths and things well, like that. Unless well, you look, is there a DJI? There's a DJI small one, isn't there? DJI Mini, which Mini. came out tw 12 months ago. There's now already been the Mini 2, and in the last seven days, the Mini SE was released. And how much do they weigh? Have a guess. 150 pound, uh, pounds, grams. No, it has to be under 250 grams. It weighs 249 grams. Right. <laughs> what about, Good what job, about you, DJI. What about if you put a bigger memory card in it? Yeah, well, this is this is with <laughs> memory card in apparently. Oh, right, so okay. uh, right. they've thought of, they have thought of everything. Um, the difference though with those smaller drones, unlike the Mavic Two, is they do have a smaller sensor inside them. They have a thirteen yeah. megapixel sensor. Yeah. Again, image quality isn't as good. But if you are looking to get into drone photography and you don't want to spend a couple of grand, you could get something like the, the, the mini range, which I think kick off around the $800 mark Australian, yeah, okay. which yeah. is pretty reasonable. As long as you're prepared to follow the rules, like Cam yep. was just talking about, knock yourself out, go mm. for it. There are plenty of places you can fly a drone. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of those places are boring. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing. All, all the good places are generally national parks and yeah. And yeah. Things so like yeah. things like um, you can't be I, now don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure you can't be within five kilometers of controlled airspace. So I tell, uh, I tell you what, I, I've actually got the page up here at a boy. I knew to go. Yeah. I knew one of us would do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, it's 5.5 Ks. Um, Thank you. From your nearest controlled airport. Now this is something that tricks people up a lot is that, you could be driving around regional Victoria or New South Wales or Queensland, minding your own business and go, hey, that's a cool shot. 
um, I better I might put my drone up. There could be a there could be an outback dirt runway. There could be a helipad from a farm. There could be heaps of different things. They're all considered controlled airspace. So you need to be careful of where you set your drone up. And I got caught out doing that down in Tassie once. I put my drone up out uh, out past a place called Medina, which is in between national parks. And I thought, beauty, up it goes. I go up and there's an airstrip like just behind a forest, like a couple hundred meters away. I never knew it was there. And there was a little light plane on the on the actual runway, so I, you know, crap my pants, pulled it, pulled the uh, the drone back down the way you go. So you got to be very careful. There is an app. Uh, there is a couple of different apps you can get on your phone. Uh, can I fly here? Is one of them. I think it is. Where that's right. Um, so you can you can prepare yourself with lots of tools before you go flying and check where you can fly and and things like that. But yeah, if you're flying within that airspace and you get caught doing it, um, you can expect a hefty hefty fine. Yes, you can. And this is why um, the reason for the ARN, the Aviation Reference mm. Number, um, which uh, I believe, do you have to put that number on your drone as well? Uh, I don't know if you do. I think um, I think they go by the drone, re- the serial number of the drone matches up to mm. your, your reference number. But That's right. Well, it, uh, to, to get that number, I had to send them a copy of my driver's license yeah, and full, my full passport. Yeah, it's full on. Um, so the rules for rec- we'll go through them quickly because there's only about a few of them. The rules for recreational drone operators, for those that don't know, so uh, you must not fly your drone higher than 120 meters above ground level. So no higher than 400 feet or 120 meters um, above ground level. I, I've had a I've had a uh, entertaining discussion with a department down here in Tasmania about a photo that I did. Uh, funnily enough, they ended up buying that photo off me later on, but um, they questioned me uh, as to how high my drone was. And I referred back to them that they weren't aware of where I launched my drone from. So ground level, technically, you know, you could take off from the top of a mountain if you wanted to. So are we talking above sea level or are we talking launch level? I think it's from, it says above ground level. So I would assume, uh, and that'd be a gray area, but I would assume that would be from where you're launching your drone from. Where the the operator's operating from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you must keep your drone at least 30 metres away from other people. So you can't be buzzing your mates at the, at the pool or down the beach and trying to be yep. funny. You've got to keep it away away from people because if they come down on someone's head, uh, you might, you're probably not going to kill someone. But you're going to, and and, you're and going. the way to work that out is if you've got a person here, you yep. go 15 metres that way, you go 15 metres that way. So 15 metres in all directions and then that yep. forms a cylinder that goes up above them as well. Yep. So that's, right. that's that's like the radius you've got to keep away from yeah, people. That's right. Um, this is a good rule. You must only fly one drone at a time. I think, <laughs> I think that's a good one. So don't don't multi-skill with a couple of drone controls. Um, you must also keep your drone. This is a this is a very interesting one for those very small drones. You must keep your drone in, within a visual line of sight. So you must always be able to phys- physically and visually see your drone. Now that little Mavic Mini. You know that's going to go five meters from you, and if you've got bad eyesight, you're not going to see it. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. That's so you right. Need, you need to keep that in mind. Uh, you can't fly above people or in populous areas. Now, I actually got myself a nice personalized letter from Casa once. Um, I went up to New South Wales on a Land Rover uh, celebration day with my old car I had, and they had this huge parade down down the down the middle of this town, and it was hundreds of these beautiful old Land Rovers all lined up, and I had my drone up. And I followed the road and, and videoed the whole parade going down the road and it was fine. And I just put it up on Facebook a few weeks later and, hey, have a look at this. And someone has reported me to CASA and I got a, a phone call and a letter from a gentleman in CASA. Um, 
actually really, really nice guy. Um, he rang me up to not find me, but to educate me. And, and I was, it was a really, like I was expecting, you know, this cowboy to sort of come up and have a go at me and here's your money that you need to pay. Uh, he was really, really good. And they, they handled it really, really well. So thank thank you to that guy if he ever listens. But, um, but he's the one that said, look, you can do this and that, you know, commercial licensing, all that kind of stuff. And so you've got to be careful. You can't fly over crowds, even if you think you're miles above them. Uh, respect privacy. Uh, you can't record or photograph people without their consent. Again, this is a contentious one as well. If you're down the beach taking photos of whales, like you said, uh, from a distance and there's people on the beach, they recognise themselves and they come into your store and say, hey, that's me in your photo there. Uh, you might be giving them some free prints, I reckon. My, my, my response to that would be good luck proving it for one, but also, be, <laughs> and purely because, see, and this is the other thing that, that people get a little bit worked up about unnecessarily, and that is, Oh, you're spying on me in my backyard, mm. or you're spying on me in my in my you know on the beach. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, this this drone here, the Mavic Two, has an equivalent. I think it's like a 17 millimeter wide angle lens. Yeah, I would need to have this drone about five meters away from you to be yeah. able to identify you properly. Yeah, but I know that's my red hat I'm wearing. Well, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, yeah. yeah, that's right. And like I've had I've had some run-ins with real estate photographers. Uh, they're the worst because they'll put their drone up over your house to get the shot of the house over the road, and they can't do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, they can't. So they can't. So the other one was the 5.5 rule kilometre rule from the airport. Um, you must also operate your drone that's not hazardous, so you can't be, again, you can't be doing stunt flying around the streets of your neighbourhood trying to be cool and impress people. And the other one is uh, you must only fly during the day uh, and not during night, fog or cloud. Uh, you can get special permits, um, obviously, for that. Uh, if you need to. Uh, there's a couple more quickly. Um, you can't fly your drone around uh, areas affecting public safety, such as bushfires or emergencies going on. You can't get your drone up to have a look because uh, that interferes with the potential aerial operations of firefighters and police. That's the, that's the worst thing you could do. Yeah. <laughs> that's well, awful. Why would you do that? There was a situation, I don't know if it was down here or Victoria, when the fire, it was down the Gippsland fires last year, they had to ground all firefighting aircraft because there That's was right. people flying drones around. So if you're that person flying drone around bushfires, you're an idiot. Put it yes. on the ground and stop doing it. Yeah. And, um, and can I can I just quickly rewind one second? Yeah. Um, not all real estate photographers are like that. Um, no. I've got a couple of very good mates of mine who are real estate photographers, and I know they get really upset by the cowboys that are out there that give yeah. them a bad name. So I just yeah. wanted to backtrack on that i know that they'll be listening so um right. sorry they, sorry they... sorry majority real estate <laughs> operators the cowboys no, no, but you're totally right i, I mm. and i know for a fact in this area there are yeah. cowboy real estate photographers but yeah. the ones that i know on a personal level yeah then they do follow the rules <laughs> a really a, re a really quick story for those who know me pretty well i don't mind a little bit of a i'm a bit of a smart ass when i need to be the guy i had the house over the road from us sold and we had this guy just rock up with his drone and his real estate thing, had no high res, high res vest on, had no landing pad, had no sign up, nothing, none of the restrictions that was required. Chad, he's sitting over the house. My kids are at the back playing on the trampoline, and I went over to him. I said, "Mate, you, you shouldn't be over my property filming." Um, and I've got kids out the back, and he's stirring my dog up. Can you just put it over the road? That's fine. And he said, "Oh, look, I'm allowed to fly here." And I said, "Well, you're not really." And he, he got he got a little bit cheeky. So what did I do? Because that's who I am. I got my drone out. And put my drone right in front of the house he was photographing. 
And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm just making a point that if you can fly over my house yes. and not follow regulations, I'll just fly in your shot. And he, yep. he, got, he got the point really quick, but I actually, I rang his boss and said, look, I don't got no problem with him doing his job. Just, you know, do it properly. Um, follow the rules, follow the that, rules because it ruins it. it for everyone else. Uh, if you're near a helicopter landing site or small aerodrome without a control tower, you can fly your drone within 5.5, but you must be aware of any manned aircraft uh, and maneuver. So that was the same situation I had where I was talking about. I took off and there was a, a, a runway, a little runway that had a, a little light plane on it, and I brought it straight down. And the last rule is, we've already um, touched on it, was in regards to flying commercially, that you need to um, you know, get the extra rules and follow if you the remote, remote pilot's license and, and insurances and things like that. All that fun um, stuff. So um, yeah, so, all, yeah, those, so all, all those rules, sorry, all those rules can be found at casa.com.au. Uh, if you just type in drone rules, you'll find out. So yeah, yeah. check them out. So um, after all that, and it sounds like we're being a bit of a buzzkill when it comes to drones, we're not. What we're no. trying to do here is make sure that you, if you are wanting to get into drone photography, follow the rules and yeah. you'll have a lot of fun. You'll really enjoy it. You'll get some great photos yeah. uh, and you won't stuff it up for us hardworking photographers who actually rely on yeah. these images for a living. Yeah, and I, th I think that's right. Like it, it's just common sense with everything really. Um, yeah, as much as I sort of ragged them out. And, and the only reason I rag them out is just because of the bad experiences I've had with other people doing the wrong thing, which has ruined it for everyone else. So yeah. in, they're, they're amazing machines, incredible machines, and they're a lot of fun to play with. And like you said, they're great. You can put them up, get some um, unreal shots, but just follow the rules. Everyone gets along, everyone's happy, and everyone starts getting really, really cool drone shots. Yeah, so so there's a little, um, just, yeah, the process I go to when I'm um, using my drone is um, always check that the coast is clear. And by that, I mean, if you can hear a propeller, so any, like a light aircraft in the area, don't, don't launch. Um, if you're already in the air and you hear a propeller, get your drone down to five metres off the ground. Yeah. Um, that, they're, just, they're just rules that I follow. Uh, I was out shooting um, the Bowen Heads Bridges on another morning with my drone. Uh, I had it launched, but luckily it was quite low. And out of nowhere, this fixed-wing aircraft came over the top of me and he would not have been more than 60 metres off the ground. Yeah. yeah. And I, it frightened me. I was yeah. like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So um, not all drone pirates, pi pilots are cowboys either. So, yeah, right. you know, it would just be horrible to think that, you know, you've been, you've been responsible for, for hitting a light aircraft. I mean, it would be just yeah. be awful. Yeah, it's not, it's not worth the risk, that's for sure. No, it's definitely not. And the other thing is, for me, uh, I guess this is where I'm lucky living where I live as well, is I've got a massive coastline. Now, I'm allowed to fly my drone off the coast. That's totally mm. fine. Uh, I'm not above people. I'm not above buildings or anything like that. And that's actually where I get a lot of my photos is just offshore. Um, and I was saying this to Cam off camera before we came on air, is I think I need to get a T-shirt that just answers <laughs> all the questions because every time I've launched my drone, and it's just human nature. People are curious about them. They want to come and talk to you and ask questions. Yeah. And um, the big questions are um, the range on the drone, the Mavic 2 Pro 7 kilometres, which is outrageous. But, of course, let's have look you, back have, at have the you rules. Ever, have you pushed it to 7 kilometres? <laughs> of course I haven't because I couldn't <laughs> see it at 7 kilometres away. So uh, always yeah. keeping it in line of sight. So um, I suppose you, I'd have to have a look. But I, if you happen to have know someone who had a farm, that was seven kilometres, a private property, I would assume you could do it there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we could test it out there. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I'd, I'd freak out too much if I lost sight of my drone anyway. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, seven kilometers <laughs> is the range. The battery life on the Mavic 2 Pro uh, is, I can push it to 30 minutes comfortably on one yeah. battery. So I always carry a couple of batteries anyway, so I can you know, bang a new one in. Um, the controller that we use, which do you reckon if I was quick, I could find my controller and show you. Hey, good. Just watch your mic on your jacket there. It doesn't get ripped off. Well, oh, it's, you know what? Here it is. It's over here. It's not, it's not in Fed Square. It's in uh, Young and Jackson. It's over here. I have it. <laughs> so this is this yeah, is a little controller. Yeah. And this little part on the bottom folds down and yep. my phone fits right in here. Yeah. So about, it that, that's about the size of like a mobile phone, isn't it? Like it is. Yep. It's much a, bigger. It, not much bigger. So then I've got con full control. So you can see with the joysticks on the front there, yep. uh, full control. I've got a readout on here that shows me my battery life and all that sort of stuff. And then the actual image go, uh, goes on my phone screen down here. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool. You can see it's all point of view. So you can actually see exactly what the drone can see at all times, which I really enjoy because on the very rare occasion where I've looked up and Lost, lost sight of my drone. You just look straight at the screen and you can see yourself and you reorientate yourself. So yeah. that works really well. A quick, uh, we'll finish up on the drones. I'll give you a quick story where I had one of those moments where I'm like, oh my God, I have just lost a $4,000 drone in the Derwent <laughs> River. Um, there was the QE2, I think, whatever big boat it is, um, docked into Hobart. And I thought it'd be really cool if I, because it goes out the Derwent River, it takes a while to get out into the ocean. I thought, what if I go down river a bit and it's only you know, a few hundred metres off coast, I'll put my drone up and get a shot of the boat from above. That'd be really cool. So I got it all set up. There was people everywhere along the, the foreshores. So I went down further, um, flew up, got this uh, Mavic, uh, sorry, not the Mavic, the Inspire, flew out there and I'm flying along and I, I was looking down at this boat and you could see the people in the pool and going down the water slide and all the deck chairs. <laughs> and this is incredible. And then all of a sudden, my drone just went black. And I went, crap, what is going on here? I could see it because it wasn't that far away. I'm, all the controls, I'm like, nothing's working. I'm like, this yeah. is not good. <laughs> the, then the, the controller just shut down. I'm like, oh, shit, what, what's going on? <laughs> and so anyway, all of a sudden, I, I lost sight of it. It just kept going and disappeared. Anyway, I, I, I'd literally ridden it off. I'm like, well, that's done. It's gone. Anyway, all of a sudden, I look up and here's this drone making its way back down to the, the takeoff point. So it got back, it landed, it sent itself back home. I got home, I pulled the memory card out and thought, I'll check the photos I got of this, uh, this big boat. And they were just like these electronic scrambled images. Oh, okay. So I couldn't figure out what it was. But what happens is uh, any big boats that come into to Hobart here, they have a pilot boat that drives them out. And the, as soon as the pilot driver gets back into his little pilot boat, the big boats turn their radar systems on. And the radar ah. system completely scrambled my drone and completely scrambled all the files, everything. I had all these amazing photos and it took me weeks to try and reconstruct these photos to, to make them look anywhere like what they were meant to. And uh, I'll, maybe we can put one of them up on the screen if I find one. But um, so, yeah, and I, my, my mate, a friend of mine who flies drones as well, he goes, oh, that'll be the radar. They always turn it on at that point. He goes, you don't have your drone near them there. <laughs> Oops. We learned, we learned that one. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a there's a tip for you. Don't fly around the QE2 when it turns its radar. Um, and and everyone's got a great drone story. Anyone's owned a drone has got a great drone story. My, uh, my Phantom 4, my beloved Phantom 4 Pro, uh, I actually uh, ended up selling it secondhand to a customer friend of mine. Uh, Adrian, hello, if you're listening, um, who runs a uh, sheep property out in Western Victoria. Adrian um, loved the idea of having a drone, so he, he got hold of this one. 
and he decided he was burning off some stubble in his paddock. So he decided to get some aerial footage. Mm. Um, so he got the fire, you know, all safely done, everything all, all under control, launches the drone, starts filming the, the, the burning paddock from a good, you know, hundred feet in the air. All of a sudden, all you can see on the screen is just the, he can see the ground in the sky, then the ground in the sky, then the ground in the sky, <laughs> and it hits the ground. His drone was taken out by a wedgetail eagle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is which is quite common, apparently. Yeah, um, so that's another reason why. It, but here, here's the kicker. The drone crashes. He works out where it is. It's right in the line of the fire and it got burnt by the fire. <laughs> <laughs> really? That, that, yeah. that, that eagle, I think, won that fight. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, yeah. He sent me a photo of this sad, melted <laughs> plastic, plastic thing. On it was, it was, it, it, yeah, it was a case of if he didn't laugh, he'd cry. But yeah, uh, yeah um, birds of prey don't like drones. No, and, and that's one of the, if you get a, if you want to fly down here in Tasmania, this is one of the extras on top of your permit. You also need to have a birds of prey spotter with you, supplied by parks, not just your mate, someone who is trained in spotting birds of prey. Yep. Uh, and same with you with the whales as well. You can't go buzzing whales and getting close nope. to them and stuff like that. So there is lots of rules. Uh, it's a topic we could go on all night about, but I would encourage people strongly to go check out Cass's website. Know your rules, know your regulations, know how it all works, cover your backside. Uh, but in the, main, in the meantime, have fun, get some really cool photos and um, yeah, just, just do it properly and don't ruin the fun for everyone. 100%. And now if you've got any questions about drones, drop us a comment. Yeah below we will answer them in a future episode or reply or, via messenger or email or or even a cool drone. story even another drone story chuck them in the comments and yes we all love yes. a drone story we like we like all photography stories but particularly drone stories because they yeah. generally are quite hilarious um, <laughs> now cameron you've got some news about the beaker street yeah. photography award down there in tassie which we touched on a couple of episodes yeah I, I jumped the gun a bit a couple of weeks ago saying i'll announce the winner but I, and I couldn't uh but we have we have announced the winner so the beaker street photography uh award um is part of the beaker street science festival which is still currently happening down here in tasmania uh it's a whole heap of different little road trips and places all around scattered around tasmania you can go and tap into these scientists about all the different things that are going on it's really quite cool um but yeah i had to go through over 100 entries and it was super super hard and i, I had it i had a winner a different winner for about a week or two like every day i was looking at it getting different winners but in the end i picked a, an image that was taken uh, by a gentleman named milson uh, barnard um and it's called the polyzoosteria, okay, let's say that again, polyzoosteria ingena, which is like a dung beetle, I think, or some sort of beetle that uh, has only just been discovered or announced. And it's actually a microscopic shot with over 50 stacked images put together. Uh, we'll, we'll flash that on the screen now for guys watching at home. And we, we'll put a link in the show notes if you want to go check out all the winning entries. But um, yeah, we had to announce that the other day. So Milson got this amazing shot and it's hard to describe, but it's just got this amazing palette of colour. It's got some incredible detail on the shell of this beetle. It's got some pretty cool features on the, on the head area and stuff like that. But, yeah, really cool. So it was good to announce that. Um, like I said, there was so many good entries this year. Uh, it made my job super, super hard, which is good. Um, but, yeah, so congratulations to him. So we can announce that now. We'll, we'll put that on the screen and, and you can go check it out in the show notes. Well done. And, and uh, as I think we were looking at these images in an earlier uh, podcast and mm. um, there was some tough 
tough choices there. Well, we probably did it off air actually, but it was it was yeah. very very look very very hard. I, I don't envy anyone who had to judge that competition, but yeah. uh, good choice for the winner for sure. Yeah, it's a bit different, um, and it's definitely a scientific photograph which fitted the brief perfectly. Um, I think it was just what really got me was the detail and the color of it. It's just got this really bronzy sort of copper and green emerald sort of shell to it. Um, again, you can check the photo out and give us some feedback on what you think and maybe you can put down who you thought should have won if I was wrong. It's very, it's very, very well done. Now, while we're on the topic of competitions, we have our sunrise comp running from episode nine. Yeah. Um, you have until August the 20th. So this podcast is going to go out on Friday the 13th. So you will have a week after that to get yeah. your entry in. Um, Cam and I are going to choose what we think is the nicest sunrise photo that was taken in mm. the month of August. And well, Andrew, it has to be taken between the two those podcasts. Oh, look, so. I think I think I'm happy that if it's been taken this month. I think let's not get too hard. Mm, you're very lenient all of a sudden. I like well, it. Well, we're getting entries. There's a couple of entries we are. coming through. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> look how surprised you are. We are. I know. Oh wow. <laughs> oh wow. People are actually playing along. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't. I shouldn't be surprised. But um, no, we've got yeah, the best listeners seen- in the world. We have. I've already seen a couple of beauties. Um, speaking of sunrises, my goodness, at the moment the sunrises, particularly here in Ocean Grove, are right. amazing. Yeah, we're sending so, them. From, we're sending them up from here. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And yeah. I, um, I have no doubt that I will watch every sunrise while drinking my coffee and looking at my land room window. Beautiful. Got to get amongst it. Yeah. Dear Cam is back for another week. Back um, with a vengeance, I hear. <laughs> uh, it is so. Yeah. Um, you might want to charge your glasses because this is going to take a minute to read this one out, but that's fine. That's okay. Right. We're happy. Who's this um, one? Who's this one from? Do we know this person or is it? This a... is from our friend David in Ararat. I know David in Ararat. Hello, yes. David in Ararat. Hello, David. Um, he uh, he's on the edge of his seat now. He's peaking. He's like, my dear Cam oh, question's going to get on the air. This I'm peaking too because I I know I have a feeling it's going to be a curveball-y one that I'm going to have to use my brain for. <laughs> it won't be straightforward. Okay. All right. Here we go. Dear Cam, I have walked two kilometres to this spot. I am on a cliff edge on a very narrow shelf with my tripod fully extended, including the centre arm. On top is a nice heavy 5D, hello Canon users, with not a couple not, of kilos, not not again, with a couple of kilo 70 to 200 f 2.8 non-stabilised lens mounted on the <laughs> lens mount. Right here. Okay. Following Cam's cat process in these dark and stormy conditions, the exposure needs to be three seconds. The composition is perfect. There is a roaring blustery gale coming at me at 45 degrees from the valley side. Think Cradle Mountain for BFOP last year, only worse. (laughs) Blocking the wind from the tripod would find me over the edge of the cliff and is not an option. What other options do I have to stabilise this setup to get my in inverted commas, photo of the year. P.S. Try to answer without changing the three-second exposure first. <laughs> now, David, I think this is uh, what we call in the industry taking the piss, but we'll, <laughs> let's, uh, let's uh, hand it over to Cam and see what he comes up with. Well, well, thank you, David. I was actually expecting something a bit more tricky to answer, to be honest. I was expecting a bit more out of you. Um, <laughs> um, all right. Um, I think I've got all that. Um, so you're on a cliff. Your tripod's at its full extension. It's blowing its bum off. Mm. Um, you've got a 70, you've got a really heavy lens on top. You want to keep three seconds, um, but you want to make sure that it's stable. Like, I guess the underlying thing is here is how do I stabilise this tripod and camera without falling to my death 
uh, or doing anything different. Um, a couple of things I would say with that, and, and this can be a bit of a common thing where you get to a, a location and it is blowing an absolute gale. And it's funny, and this is actually no um, fluke at all, but I, I took a photo out there uh, yesterday. I went out to the southwest of Tassie and I got this nice shot of a sunset, but it was blowing a gale where I went further down the road to take some more shots. And I stood behind my car. I moved my car and made a windbreak so I could set my tripod up behind the car and get the same angle. Clearly, you can't put a car on top of a cliff face. Um, so in this situation, I, I'd be doing one of two things. I'd be uh, reducing, I guess, the overall uh, wind uh, sail of my, my camera gear. So I'd be trying to maybe say, well, if you can minimise your tripod down to its smallest area and get down a bit lower and, and try and you know, match the profile of the cliff a bit more so the wind doesn't get you. Uh, the other option is uh, you could also, some of the tripods on their centre columns have a little bit of a hook where you can actually hang your camera bag as, a, as like an anchor, it's like a sandbag underneath the middle of your tripod so you can weigh it down even further. Um, so you could do something like that. If uh, I've been in situations where you lie down flat on the cliff and handhold three seconds, if you're using Olympus, you probably get away with that, but you're not you're using Canon. So that's, um, that's a shame. So to me, I think two or two options would be try and weigh that tripod down with a, a center column bag or weight or even rocks around the legs of your tripods to weigh it down or reduce the overall profile of your tripod and, and camera sticking up in the wind. If you can get a bit lower safely and, and shoot from a lower angle. Um, look, you, you could try and change around things. Uh, like I said, you don't want to change the three seconds. So you can't be changing apertures and ISOs and things like that because that's going to ultimately change your shutter speed as well. So I would be trying to weigh that center column down or reduce your overall profile on that wind swept cliff would be my uh, my answer. And knowing oh, David, knowing David, what's going to be doing his head in is that he's only got the one composition to play with. He can't run around and get 600 different compositions up and down the cliff. He has to work on that one composition. So that alone, David, should be enough to get you excited. But how would you handle that, uh, Brendan? Because that's a that's a one-off situation. Absolute no-brainer. This is the easiest question you've ever got. I would go to the pub. <laughs> well, that's the other option. Pack up just, and go home. Give, just give up. That's all too give hard, up. David. No, if yeah. I was if I was in that situation, which I wouldn't be, but uh, if I was. You the little thing that you gave away there was it's a 70 to 200 f 2.8 lens. Uh, don't go to 200 because if you're at 200, a millimeter of movement at this end is like an earthquake at that end. I would pull back to 70. You are shooting with a 5D. Let's assume it's a 5D Mark IV. So you've got a billion pixels to play with. So zoom it out um, so that you're not um, picking up as much detail necessarily directly through the lens but you could zoom and crop later and yes you may not get exactly the same composition there will be a def difference in lens compression as well however it will give you more of a chance to get uh, a stabilized image by shooting at the 70 end rather than the 200 end that's about all i could come up with but it's a very good question um i challenge anyone to do to give a deer cam harder than that because that's a quite a tricky one it is a tricky one, and, and what you said is is good. And that that rule of thumb is to try and get your shutter speed to match your focal length to try and handhold things. It's a bit different on a tripod, but yeah, you could definitely shoot at seventy, a bit wider. Um, but the thing is, it's still got to be three second exposure, so you got to somehow yep. manage that three seconds. So 
Yeah, I, I like um, the more I think about it, I'm liking the pub option better. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll, absolutely. We'll meet, we'll, meet, we'll meet you. We'll meet you there, David. Your shout. That's right. We'll just yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say your shout, Dave. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for that, dear Cam question. No, if great. you've got a dear Cam question, please leave it below. Email it to us. Send it to us via career pigeon or drone, whatever you want to do. Um, <laughs> now we will. We're getting close to wrap up time on this yeah. week's podcast. My goodness, how the time flies in these yeah, things. What uh, what have you been up to this week, Cam? What do you got coming up? Anything you need to mention? Uh, business as usual for you? Business as usual for me. Not much going on this week. Um, like I said, I went for a bit of a drive out to the southwest last night. I had a feeling there might be some good sunsets happening out there, a bit like you having the sunrises. We've been getting some pretty gnarly sunsets down here. Um, so I got a shot that I was pretty happy with, which will flash on the screen probably now, I reckon, Brenton's. It's um, there. It's there. Um, this was one of those situations where it was a long lens and it was very windy. Uh, I, I sort of stood next to a tree and got a bit more shelter that way. Um, and coming up, uh, I've got a few things coming up. I've got a waterfall and mountain day for anyone in Tasmania. Uh, if you want to come along to the Mount Field and Southwest National Parks on the 21st, of August, we're going to go out and play. There's waterfalls galore and views like you just saw pop up on the screen. Uh, we'll go down this exact same road that this photo is taken and try and get some afternoon shots of the mountains and the, the lakes and the waterfalls. Uh, and also my Tarkine workshop at the end of the month, the 27th, uh, got a couple of spots left. Uh, if anyone in Tasmania wants to come along, hit me up, uh, come and explore one of the most incredible regions in Australia uh, with yours truly. How about you? Fantastic. What's going on Fantastic. Um, my um, hunt for a Pentax K1000 has taken a turn. A good or bad uh, turn? Uh, for, the, for the good. I um, uh, just this evening received a message and uh, got very excited that um, a customer of mine may know where a K1000 is, Ooh. knows that it is a one-owner K1000 as well. Beautiful. And is in, um, well, as far as he knows, it's in pretty good nick. So I'm going to keep okay. you posted on that. I've got him doing the research. Unfortunately, the catch is it's in Melbourne, which is in lockdown. Ooh. So um, anyway, we'll, we'll see. Do, my, you, if do, my, you do you think you'll have one by next episode? Uh, no, okay. I don't. I don't I, actually think I will. I reckon you're so, not. Okay. All right. I reckon, well, I reckon, we'll the, I reckon the K1000 gods might shine on you. Okay. And All right that person might be able to get it for you. All right. Well, we'll, we'll find out. Um, the other thing that I, cool, think we, I think we might talk more about this next week because we're, we're up against time here is um, I'm in the market for a new camera. Now, not a K1000 film camera. I mean <laughs> a new camera. Um, I, it's time that I uh, brought myself into the 21st century <laughs> and uh, got off APS-C and started shooting perhaps full frame you know you know you know what you're like you're like the mechanic who works on ferraris but drives a little vw beetle yep. you're, you're the guy that works in the camera store but doesn't have the latest greatest nope. cameras going around I love no it. and good. and that i think that speaks more to the old adage of it's not what you got it's how you use it yeah um however if you listen to the podcast last week you will learn that one of my cameras bit the dust <laughs> um and uh yeah look it's just made me realize more and more that i probably need to Upgrade. It's time. Uh, mm. So we shall debate next week what camera or cameras yeah. or what lens and lenses and all that sort of stuff. So um, if you're a, if you've got any advice for me, yeah, leave a comment say, below. I would say if you've got this far listening, um, put down some options for Brendan 
to have a look. We'll have a look throughout the week and next episode. We were going to dedicate an episode to getting you a new camera. We should we should sneak in little Easter eggs at the very end of all these podcasts and to see if people just, listening. Exactly right. Then just yeah. you know, hey, you know, if you if you if you leave a comment below with a certain phrase, you yeah. we'll send you a free something. <laughs> we'll send you a free camera if you <laughs> <laughs> stop right there. Stop right there. We're not, no, no. We're not sponsored by anyone. Uh, yeah. Well, okay, that's, that's, that's that's interesting. Um, yes. Yeah. Let's let's yeah. Uh, let's get you a new camera. Yeah. Let's let's find Brendan a K one thousand. Which is just which I'll probably never use, but I just want to own one. Yeah, is that is that sad? I don't know. No, it's not. It's like the OM one Olympus I've got, the old school Olympus. Yep. I'd never yep. use it, but they just they just made the cameras back then just look cool. Oh, there's something about them. I mean, you, yeah. you, I just like I like looking at them. I like I like clicking the you know winding them on and yeah. clicking the shit. It's just ah, it's so tactile. It's it's, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, I I now have a new appreciation for people who like vinyl records. Yes. Um, yeah. We all know they don't sound as good. Come yeah. on, they just don't. But they it's have a so, different. They have a different sound. It's so funny. We we're talking to off air before, and I was saying how I did another Zoom call today with a, a bunch of primary school kids learning about uh, the, the Tarkine region here in Tassie. And one of the questions the kids came up to me and said, "What's your favourite camera, and why?" And I said, "My favourite camera is probably my Olympus film camera." And we had that exact same conversation with a bunch of eight-year-olds about why vinyl, <laughs> why vinyl is better than digital yeah even though it doesn't sound better it's hard to explain but um... and I, I was gonna say one of the kids probably said my dad likes vinyl but the fact is he probably said my granddad likes my granddad, vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> my late granddad liked vinyl yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what it's like now yeah exactly yeah. but uh yeah anyway that has been episode 10 of the down south photo show uh, yes. thank you for listening i hope you've enjoyed yourself this evening cam I have. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been a good co- topic. Drones are a bit of a contentious topic for most people. So hopefully people got some things out of there. And if anything, you know, take take away just to be use your common sense. Um, looking forward to the next episode. Looking forward to getting you a new camera. Um, <laughs> and again, thanks to everyone for subscribing. Make sure you click the button, ring the bell. And also on the podcast, make sure you, you sign up to the show. Uh, we're 150 subscribers on our YouTube channel, which is incredible. I'm not sure how the podcast channels are going. Um, but I can update in- us all next week on that. Yeah, it's increasing and we're loving it. We're enjoying it. Uh, don't forget the Sunrise competition as well. Get onto that. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's been good. Thank you. Oh, this, this has been brilliant. This is Cam the outro, man. Yeah, brilliant. No, it's an oh, outro. It's fantastic. I know. I'm getting better. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Over and out. Cheers now. Ciao.